as hundreds of homeschool families head to Florida for the annual FPEA conference. We're going to flash back to this Springs Teach Them Diligently homeschool conference in Central Texas. Zach and I both attended and spoke to some homeschool parents. What growing challenges do homeschool families face in our culture? And what kinds of fantastical stories are they seeking for their children? Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the homemade podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory. I'm Eve Stephen Burnett, Laura Heaven's publisher and co-author of The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, and we are a hybrid homeschool, public school, charter school family. We've kind of done it all, and uh, I was not homeschooled, so please don't cancel me. But this is episode 163, How Are Homeschool Families Seeking Christian Fantastical Fiction? Zach, I feel you about that little imposter syndrome bit there. You didn't say it, but I will. I was homeschooled, though, all the way through high school. So all 12 grades, back when we weren't even keeping track of grades, those are overall fond memories. And so I'm very familiar and even feel very comfortable with the homeschool families. Yes, even the weird homeschool families in the homeschool community. But my wife and I uh, don't have our own children, so we're not homeschooling per se. But if we did, we certainly would if we could. So I love going to homeschool conferences. I missed the chance to go to the Pigeon Forge, teach them diligently that a lot of uh, author friends of mine in the Realm Makers bookstore uh, were able to attend. Uh, but I'm looking forward now. I think I can say with some certainty because I've already bought tickets and everything uh, and going to the uh, Florida event in Orlando uh, just within a matter of days of this episode's release date. So, Stephen, why do you like... Uh... Why do you go to these homeschool conferences? Like, why? I mean, obviously, you you come from a homeschool background, uh, and then you know, for me, it's like, well, we've done homeschooling for many of our kids and it, to different degrees, but but why homeschoolers? Well, because homeschoolers love Christian-made fantastical fiction. Uh, in fact, I would say that homeschool families are the second demographic that Lorehaven is trying to reach. I think a lot of authors and websites uh, like ours or with similar goals. Uh, we'll stop at the first category of audiences that we're trying to reach, Christian fans, individuals generally who are kind of striking out on their own and may not have a whole lot of uh, support closer to home. So they find an online community and a lot of them overlap with the writer community. But I go out and I see homeschool conferences, homeschool families, a lot of whom, of course, they love writing, they love reading, but a lot of the kids are reading like crazy. They're reading above their grade level. Uh, and a lot of the kids, and especially their parents, are looking for books that are not just the status quo secular stuff. Uh, increasingly, of course, they're going to be on their guard against certain subject matter, uh, certain alphabet content going on in a bunch of YA fantasy, for example. And yet a lot of them aren't just looking for wholesome, clean Christian fiction of yesteryear, which, by the way, wasn't as wholesome as all that anyway. A lot of them are open to ideas and challenges uh, and fantastical genres. And so there are more and more of these types of books. Homeschool families are the best audience, I think, uh, besides Christian individual fans uh, who would enjoy these. By the way, uh, one of these books is from our top sponsor for this episode, Oasis Family Media. It's a book called Estuary by Lisa T. Berggren. That's coming out in just a matter of weeks. Can a family bond stand the test of time? Enclave Publishing presents Estuary, the first book in the new Oceans of Time series by Lisa T. Berggren. Lady Tiliani Forelli is the epitome of the she-wolves who raised her, an adept archer with a mind of her own. It is long past time for her to wed, but she deems each young lord who comes to bid for her hand lacking. With battles upon their border and rumors of war growing louder on every front, her decision could secure her kingdom's peace. 
or bring about its destruction. After years of waiting, revisit the world first explored in Lisa T. Bergeron's best-selling Rivers of Time series. Coming June 13, wherever fantastic books are sold, pre-order now online or from your favorite bookseller. Also available in audio from Oasis Audio. All those links in the show notes for 163 or at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. See, Zach, that right there uh, would certainly be a favorite book of homeschool moms uh, and maybe even uh, homeschooled teen girls if the moms maybe pre-read the book or maybe they get a review of the book from some website called lorehaven.com that lets them know, hey, what's in the book? Uh, certainly this is going to be appropriate, but is this going to be content that's going to challenge my teen daughter in a good way or maybe something that's uh, not quite up to her age or down to her age level? Uh, some moms, for example, some parents are looking for books and they say, uh, no romance, you know, maybe they have a thing about romance and fiction, or maybe it's just, I know my student, I know my growing child, and she does not need that kind of content in books right now. That might be a stumbling block to her. So this would be one of those books. And so would be a lot of the books that are sold at Enclave uh, from Oasis Family Media and a lot of the books that are retailed by my friends at the Rollmakers Bookstore. So to go back to my own question, like why homeschoolers, why homeschool conferences, why do we hang out there? It's very simple. It's like you said, they, they love to read, but they love to talk about books and they have read lots of books. I mean, a common theme that you and I have both heard from parents is I can't keep up with how many books my kid wants to read. A lot of these parents that we met try to read the same books as their kids, or maybe they listen on audio while their kids read it. So it becomes this family activity. I know a, a battle for a lot of parents these days is screen time, like keeping their kids off the video games or off TikTok or, or just off you know, the weather app and the photos app, just whatever app it is, it, it seems to suck your time away. And it's just so fun to be in this environment where books are celebrated, books are normalized, kids want more books. Um, that is such a refreshing thing. I was a big reader as a kid. And again, you know, I was, I was public schooled. Okay. So th this isn't a one-to-one, -one, but I, I read tons of books, uh, especially starting in around sixth or seventh grade when I got into the Dragonlance books, the Tolkien books, the Shannara books, and then high school, the Wheel of Time books. Uh, so I, I was a huge reader and I love to talk to friends that were readers, but it can be few and far between. Cause again, like the, the kids that read the books were, were kind of the nerds. Like when I was a kid, so you didn't want to say too loudly that you like books about dwarves and elves and spaceships. Um, it was more, you know, acceptable to talk about sports where I'm from. And honestly, I wasn't really that into sports. And so I, I know a lot of kids today. Um, it, I think it's gotten a little more chill that it's, it's, you know, there's bookstagram, there's book talk, you know, even on all these social media platforms. But uh, yeah, I mean, video games are a huge way that, that kids spend time together. I, I think I may have mentioned this before, but one of my friends, uh, he's a dad, he told his son at one point, he's like, hey, turn off Fortnite and, and go play with your friends in person. He's like, okay. And he turns off the Xbox and he's like, wait, I don't know how to call them. <laughs> the only way I know how to talk to them is through the Fortnite chat on our little headsets like i literally have no other way of getting in touch with them and so i i know this is a challenge for a lot of parents i know a lot of parents who who want their kids to read more but this was such a, a fun time that what they were deciding was not hey should i read or shouldn't i read but it's like how many books can you buy for me dad you know how many books are we gonna read together mom like man that was just so exciting and refreshing 
Yes. And when you're a bookseller, there's a capitalistic reason there. You want to sell as many <laughs> books as possible that you've already brought in. You don't want to have Profit. to mail them out. You know, you can actually see it being sold. You sometimes will see uh, the same families come back in the next couple of days because in some uh, circumstances they've already read book one and now they're ready for books two and three. And that's very handy when you have a homeschool conference that generally lasts three days. Uh, that's one big reason why we've done several episodes related to homeschool families and reading on this podcast. Uh, even back to episode 65, uh, episode 106, very similar. Uh, we had a graduated homeschool student, uh, Ethan Nunn, who's actually from the Florida Parent Educators Association uh, founding family in episode 116. I think I missed that one, Zach, because of technical failures, but it was a great conversation with Ethan there, and uh, presumably I'll get to see him again uh, in just a couple of weeks in Florida. Uh, that leads me to our, our first question here, chapter title proper. Uh, what do parents think about Christian fantasy? And this is the part where I might be repeating information from previous episodes, but it's just so important to dispel some of these stereotypes. I must say uh, that at least the homeschool families who go to these conferences, I, I say with tongue in cheek, uh, that these are the cool families. Oh, yeah. There may be totally. more reclusive, you know, off the grid you know, very crunchy, um, you know, buying into some alternative science type homeschool families out there, which I certainly remember some growing up in the 90s for sure. Uh, those do still exist, but I do wish that uh, more people would dispel those stereotypes. Like a lot of people too have negative experiences either with homeschool families they've met or maybe they grew up in a homeschool family that was affected by legalism or false teaching or those kinds of oversheltering philosophies. At least by selection bias, the folks coming to the homeschool conference generally are looking to engage with the world. And yet, that's the important thing, Zach. You mentioned that you, despite being a public schooled heathen, were also very much into <laughs> reading. I think some homeschool students or graduate students like myself need to remember that. Lots of people love reading. Lots of people love books, even if it's technically a lower amount than the sports fandom. You are the exception. And I think a lot of homeschool families uh, tend to be big readers. But I think the important thing is that they're not just big readers, but they generally also tend to be serious about their Christian faith. They are engaged with the culture, uh, at least cultural issues in terms of worldview, uh, politics, and things like that. And increasingly, they're also engaged with popular culture. Uh, I'll pre-plug my uh, sponsor three segment coming up for the Pop Culture Parent. I've been there promoting that book at events, uh, and it starts a lot of really great conversations, whether or not people actually purchase the book. A lot of folks are just grateful to see, you know, somebody there who's a homeschooled student who's grown up who is taking this seriously. Uh, they're also very grateful to find Christian authors who take their faith seriously and take imagination seriously. They're not just there to sell the book to anybody. You know, generally the authors that I hang out with, either at our booth uh, in uh, in Austin a few months ago uh, or at the Rollmakers Bookstore, we want to help the families find the best books that will fit their needs. So even if that means, well, okay, so you're here looking for middle grade fantasy. Well, you know, bother. Uh, I've got a nonfiction book uh, that's mainly for parents about discerning popular culture. But look, over here is, uh, is my friend who actually writes the middle grade fantasy novels. So you get to feel like maybe the best kind of salesperson. You know, it's the best kind of free market there. Uh, it really helps to humble you. Uh, while at the same time, you get the joy of just hanging out, at least for my case, hanging out with people who, Give me a bit of a nostalgic rush sometimes because there's still something about a homeschool family where you can pick them out in the crowd. Like it, if somebody put one family with three kids, another family with four kids and a family with two kids in a police lineup and said, hey, pick out the homeschool family, 
even if it was the family with just two kids, I could probably pick them out. There's just something about homeschool families if you've grown up with them. Uh, and so there's kind of a shared history there, uh, even if I'm not personally homeschooling uh, other kids myself. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us now have seen the statistics of the rise of homeschooling in just the last few years, especially. Um, there's a number of jar- uh, charts you can find by Google, but it's it's really staggering from like the 1970s, 80s, 90s. It was, you know, in the few hundreds of thousands of homes, and now it's in the multi-millions. Um, and we obviously saw a huge spike in 2020 because everyone was homeschooling for a time. Uh, but then there were a lot of parents that said, hey, this isn't so bad, and this is kind of fun, and maybe this would work better just to keep doing this, just keep my kids at home. And a lot of people found jobs from home, and so that made that possible. And also a lot of parents were able to see in the classroom and what was being taught or who was teaching. And there was a lot of value misalignment, I'll just say. And a lot of parents said, you know what? I don't want my kids at this school. I thought everything was fine. But now that I kind of peek behind the curtain, I'm not so comfortable with that. And then we realized that there are also a lot of other parents that homeschool purely for maybe special needs or academic reasons um, or family reasons has nothing to do with faith or maybe it's even a great school they go to. It's just something more personal for their family. And so, you know, whichever camp you find yourself in, our listener, uh, you're welcome here. Whether you're a veteran, a, a new homeschooler, or or as Stephen said, if you're a, you know, out in the woods, crunchy, alternative um, homeschooler with your raw milk and your camping gear, whatever, hey, it's all great. It's it's all welcome here. Actually, funny story about that. Yeah, there's a family we're really good friends with. Their daughter and my middle daughter are really great friends. And uh, they're really into scouts and um, camping and all this survival kind of stuff and outdoor stuff. And that daughter was over here a lot during the pandemic, you know, three years ago, she was, she and some other kids were doing a Bible study with my wife and our kids uh, out, outside. And when it started getting kind of cold that year, we're like, okay, let's get a fire pit and keep everyone warm. And boy, it, it had been a while, Steven, since I had been camping, maybe about 20 years and so I tried to start a little fire in this fire pit and uh, this other homeschool kid just looked at me and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, that's not how you make a fire. And then she starts rearranging everything and kind of instructs me. And, you know, she's like, what, 10 or 11 years old at this time. And so, well, I had to turn in my man card that day because, man, some of these homeschooler kids are like, they're ready to go. It's one of those rare egalitarian homeschool families where they don't <laughs> prevent the women or girls from being silent in church. Uh, I'm at least glad to see that part, and I'm glad that you could learn from them, uh, even though you personally are not going to go off the grid anytime soon. Hey, the grid does have some advantages, folks. Among other things, the grid helps power podcasts like these. So yeah, if you're listening uh, from out in the backwoods somewhere on your homestead, uh, we're grateful you at least uh, had internet access. And can find not only this podcast, but lorehaven.com and these amazing Christian fantastical books, including our second sponsor. We're going to get in a moment to actually the first of two interviews uh, that Zach had with homeschool parents at the Teach Them Diligently conference. And then actually in the next episode, we're going to have my presentation from that conference. But first, our second sponsor is once again, author Herman P. Hunter, who's written a fantasy novel called The Wizard's Stone. A young apprentice is sent on a perilous mission. To protect him, a band of mercenaries is hired and paid a fortune in gold. Their mission, to travel over sea and land to deliver a secret artifact to a king halfway across the world. A stone wrapped, sealed, and warded with protective magic runes. 
and from the outset they are hunted. By day they are hounded by the followers of a dark and secretive sect. By night an ancient evil stalks them in the darkness. Herman P. Hunter presents The Wizard's Stone, which is available at retailers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple, Kobo, Smashwords, Google Play, and Spotify. Get more info and the cover at uh, episode 163 notes, or you can go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Zach, we have that interview waiting, do we not? Uh, let's go talk with uh, Aaron, I believe his name is. Well, I'm here with Aaron from Lubbock, Texas, and he's got two boys here with swords and books. And we're here to talk about stories. And uh, so, Aaron, tell me about yourself. How long have you been homeschooling, first of all? We've been homeschooling probably since um, my daughter is 15 now. So we started homeschooling her probably around when she was six. So it's been about nine years now. Okay. And then you've got three kids, it looks like? Four kids. Oh, four kids. Okay. I've got four also. So great. You're in good company. Thank you. Uh, so tell tell me first about the books you just bought for your boys. Well, one we bought was Enhanced uh, by Candace, and then the other book I'm not sure. My son uh, he just finished one of his first. I got well. He loves to read, so he he has a lot of different series that he reads. Um, uh, he loves uh, fantasy. Uh, he loves historical. Uh, he loves history. Um, so. Um, I'm trying to remember which book he read or he picked up, but he was just looking for a new, uh, different uh, series or something to read because he, he loves to read. And this, there's this book that he was looking at and he really found interesting. So he's like, okay, let's get that one. That's cool. What are some books you all have read as a family? Uh, we've read the, uh, well, I listened to the Harry Potter series and then my, my two kids are reading it right now. Uh, okay. Or my daughter, my oldest daughter, she finished it. Cademan finished it. So... Uh, I was kind of listening along with them, so I'd listen to it so they could, and then they would read it, uh, just so I could follow along if they had any kind of discussion. We could have discussions about it later on. Uh, we've, uh, I'm not sure what other books we've read, read together. Uh, usually they read a lot, they read a lot, a lot, and uh, whenever I have time, I don't get to read that much, but uh, when I do, I usually just listen. You know, I, I, when I'm driving, uh, that's what I do. I listen to a lot of audio books or podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, so tell me about Harry Potter. What is it about that book that you find interesting as a parent? Uh, what, what have been some discussions that you've had with your kids about some of the elements of the story and the themes? Enjoy the, the good versus evil aspect of it. I want my kids to know that you know there is something out there that is against them. The enemy is, is after them, but good's going to overcome. Good's going to triumph because God mm-hmm. is king. He's sovereign. He's, he's Lord of all. So... Uh, we know that uh, in the end, it, he's going to be victorious. Yeah. And so everything that we face here, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but uh, God is going to have the ultimate victory. And so anything that happens here uh, has, uh, well, we have eternity to look forward to. That's why we have that hope. That's why we have that joy, because no matter what happens to us, we have God. We have Christ. We have that eternal perspective of what's to come. Yeah, that's such a great thought. A verse we talk to our kids a lot about is in John 1, where it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just takes a little bit of light to overcome darkness. And uh, we, we've taken our kids to the inner space caverns, where it's this, you know, underground, huge cave. And you get all the way to the bottom, they turn off all the lights and it's completely black. And then um, right, right when they did that, the funny, you know, usually they like turn on a little, uh, like they light a match or something. 
but you know we're we're in the 2020s now and so uh, sure enough, someone's phone rang. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, well, that kind of spoiled it. But then I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, right? Because like, just this little tiny phone lights up this entire huge cavern. Just that little bit of light, and that's what's so true about our life in Christ is that it is more powerful than the darkness around us. And you know, I, I think a misperception a lot of people have about homeschoolers is that we uh, that we've retreated from the world or that we're afraid of the world. And I think. Um, I, I love what you're saying is that, you know, we can be hopeful, we can be joyful because Christ is stronger than the darkness, like good is stronger than evil. And I, I think there's a lot of kids that don't get to hear that, that, you know, whatever school they're in, whatever environment they're in, they are basically taught to succumb, like to surrender because why, why bother? Uh, a lot of kids, you know, uh, in, in school may be the only Christian that they know, or maybe one of only two. And so they think, well, what, why bother being a Christian? It can be very depressing, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the hope that we have is that Christ is stronger yes. than darkness. So whether you're, whatever school a kid is in, they can have that hope. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely see that with what you're saying with, with Harry Potter. So. Yes. Yes, sir. Oh, cool. And, uh, so what do you hope to get out of these books that you just bought now? And, and where, where do you think that's going to lead? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know a lot about them, but I'd like to look into them and see uh, what we can glean from them. Uh, any morals that we can pull from them. Uh, we, we've 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 also bought uh, Chuck Black books, okay. and we were reading through the first Kingdom series. Uh, we've only got halfway through the first book, and then, of course, I get busy. So I just work I do, but uh, we want to get back into it. Cademan said he would like to start reading read through them. So I'm like, all right, we'll go ahead and read through them, and then tell me about it. So That's we can great. talk about it, but it's uh, yeah, we we do a lot of uh, things. We 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 do a lot of ministry, international ministry. So oh, it's, uh, awesome. it's it's not just reading books; it's also actively serving uh, the international community there at Lubbock uh, at Texas Tech because we have a lot of international students. Uh, the interesting thing is, you know, there's uh, countries of that have little or to no Christians there, so they're unreached. And they're coming to Lubbock, and it's uh, a, a beautiful thing that God has brought them to our back door. Mm-hmm. And so we feel that's a good mission to go and meet them and tell them about Christ. And uh, uh, but also these stories—I mean, what they read there—I mean, it, it, it's almost like a, a quest mm. in a way of going to the international students because you don't know what kind of backgrounds they have, what uh, what kind of upbringing they have, uh, what they've experienced. Some come from. Uh, one guy came from Afghanistan we just met recently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know about the Taliban. We've hear, mm-hmm. heard stories. And so talking to him, it's been just eye-opening to hear what he's come through, what he's come, what he's done. And uh, so it's like, wow, that's a serious, serious deal that he's come through. And now he's here. He's come to our church. If he, if they were to find out he was coming to church, it would be dangerous for him. Yeah. yeah. And another lady, she just became a Christian, baptized, and uh, she's from uh, Iran. And uh, so she's, uh, if, her, if people in her hometown find out that she became Christian, her family would be uh, in danger. So uh, we kind of try to keep things quiet for her, but she's the one that starts bringing people to church. She's bringing people <laughs> to uh, her friends. And I was like, wow, I thought we were trying to be quiet about it, but yeah. she can't. She can't hold it back. She's just yeah. like that woman of well. She just has to tell yeah. everybody about Christ. So it's just a, a beautiful thing. So just the kind of quest that other people are dealing with uh, it's real life and uh, yeah I like to look read these books and see 
how can that correlate to what we're trying to do as well? Yeah, well, I, I see a lot of crossover there. I mean, you've got characters going to, you know, strange planets, strange worlds, going on a quest, like you said, uh, facing down, you know, impossible odds and mm-hmm. enemy armies and um, all for some kind of noble cause. And that, that is definitely the case with, you know, when you meet people from other countries, it feels like you're from different planets sometimes. It's like <laughs> not only different language, but different cultures, different values, different everything, just way of seeing the world. And, but that can be exciting, you know, mm-hmm. to, to then bring those people into church. And for them, that's a totally new world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you read these stories about someone with the courage to go through all that. Because I think so much of that, you know, so much of ministry, missionary work, it really does come down to courage. It, it comes down to the courage of the missionary to go into a new place and then and of the people being, you know, told this new message that's something they've never heard, it's the courage to embrace that. And like mm-hmm. you said, with the family and the, the cultural pressure to deny it, uh, it takes a lot of courage mm-hmm. uh, to to go down that. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that these books are great for your kids and just instilling those, those values. In them. Yes, so, sir. Thanks for talking to us today. Yes, thank you. Stephen, it was really fun to hear Aaron talk about two things there. One was that Harry Potter is a big part of their family's discipleship of their kids. And, you know, you know this better than I do, but this seems to have really changed in the last 20 years that Christian families, homeschool families are embracing Harry Potter, whereas that used to be verboten. It was the book you shall not name. Is that, is that about right? That's about right. Yes. And that's the case with a lot of secular fandoms. You see a lot of homeschool families with you know, Marvel t-shirts, uh, Star Wars t-shirts, some really mainstream fandoms. But for example, Star Wars always escaped uh, the the really loud warnings uh, in the 1990s, uh, which I always thought, but it's basically it's basically the same thing, <laughs> only with spaceships instead of uh, fantastical beasts. You may as well discern one and the other at the same time. But if it's parents who are knowledgeable about the content and who are guiding their children through stories like that, uh, I think if you keep in mind certain sensitivities and personalities, as well as uh, developmental age levels, uh, that is a fantastic thing to do. So much better than to do it uh, with Christian-made stories where the author tends to be on your side and sharing not only your values, but your gospel worldview. It takes discernment either way, though, which perfectly cues up our third sponsor. That's myself, E. Stephen Burnett, uh, the co-author of The Pop Culture Parent, a nonfiction book about discerning fiction, along with my friends Ted Turno and Dr. Jared Moore. This is a nonfiction book with a dragon on the cover, but it is about how to teach your children the purpose of popular culture. First and foremost, we don't just assume that we know what it's for. Oh, stories and songs and games, they're for entertainment. Uh, they're to teach morals. Uh, they're to help us fight a culture war. No, stories and songs are the creation of them is a gift of God that he's given us for his glory, but that we corrupt with our idols. We steal the gift from him, the gift of imagination and say, no, uh, we want this to be ours. We made this. Thank you very much. But in the gospel, we start to redeem the purpose of these stories, but it takes training. So we actually go through with uh, case studies for each age level, first uh, of young children uh, and then older children. Uh, and then teens and young adults as they're moving into those years of becoming adults themselves. Every single stage overlapping a lot, but takes a lot of challenge. But it is a good, uh, solid, simple book uh, that we've put together, published by New Growth Press, uh, The Pop Culture Parent. Uh, you can get that at newgrowthpress.com. Of course, uh, go get the link and see the cover in our show notes for episode 163 or at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. 
Speaking of discerning parents, uh, we have one other interview there. Uh, I believe it's Christina with whom you spoke, Zach. So let's cue that up too. All right. Well, I'm sitting here with Christina, who uh, we've met her family, and she's got a daughter who is a big reader and also a writer. So that's been a fun connection for us. But Christina, where are you and your family from? We are from Cedar Park. Okay. Well, very close to home here. Yes, very close. That's nice. (laughs) Not a big commute then. Yeah. So um, I heard that you guys read a lot of books in your family. So what are are the recent ones? And and tell me kind of how all that started too. Well, yes, I have six voracious readers in my home, and I guess it started with my first child, uh, my author, writer. She had discovered a love for reading very early on, and I really think that she had a lot of influence with her younger siblings. And um, <laughs> As firstborns do. Yes, yep. yes, and... <laughs> And I guess maybe I had a part in that. We started with uh, the curriculum five in a row. Okay. And I've had a couple of my children tell me that those books really meant a lot to them, mm. reading those stories over and over again, and it just brought the world to life. And so they wanted more of that. And so they went to find that in the books that we were reading as part of our curriculum. That was our first curriculum. And then I discovered the Charlotte Mason approach to education and just learning through living books. Mm. And I found that I loved teaching that way. Mm. I love living books. I was learning so much. They were learning so much. We were engaged. And it was just um, just wonderful experience all around to have mm. those living books. And so every curriculum we've chosen over the years and we've adapted as the children have grown and their different needs, it's always been the living books that have captivated us mm. and, and made us go one way or another. Now, tell me a little bit about the living books. I, I'm, we, we are sort of a hybrid homeschool family ourselves, but um, I, I'm not too familiar with those. So tell, tell me a little bit more about those. Okay, so living books teach through story instead of all facts. So in a traditional schooling situation where I went to public school, I had to learn all the facts and dates and things that happened um, in history. I didn't like history. Mm. But um, when I started homeschooling, we were reading the stories about the people who were living those events. And so they became real to us. And we cared about the characters. We cared about what happened to them. We cared about their lives. And so we were able to go deeper and learn more, learn life lessons, as well as the the battles and you know the conflicts between nations, and uh, it just it just brought it to life for us and made it mean something a lot more. And so those those stories have stuck with us, versus trying to memorize data. Right, right. Yes. Just getting the facts down. Right. Now tell me how. What was the first uh, fantastical uh, type series book that you read, like a fantasy or sci-fi or something, you know, with dragons or spaceships or something exciting? <laughs> well, my husband does read alouds at, in the evenings with the, with us, and um, I'd say it was probably the Wing Feather Saga that we started with, or maybe it was the Narnia series. But he has taken us through those, and the kids love them. They um, again, they're teaching life lessons through through these adventures and um it just it's it's really fun it's a great experience for the family and we're getting a lot more out of it than just the stories yeah, yeah. What, what are some of the big takeaways uh, life lessons wise from the wing feather saga uh self-sacrifice mm. <laughs> and just the, the dynamics within the family that each member has different strengths and brings something to make a whole mm. right those um the, the adventure and the hardship that they go through um, as the series progresses and uh, it just it 
also created memories for us as we're going through the series that we could connect those stories to things that were happening within our own family, the different sibling dynamics and parenting dynamics and the suffering and struggles. It just allowed us to, we're experiencing the story together as a family and we were able to apply some of those things that they were going through to our own our own story as a family. Yeah, I, I love that. That as you read a story, it becomes part of your story. Yes, and, and it becomes part of your life and a shorthand for even kind of what you talk about. Absolutely. Um, that's just great. I, I'm personally discovering the Wing Feather Saga through the uh, animated uh, TV yes. series. So my kids have read the books uh, multiple times. <laughs> uh, I'm a much slower reader than they are, which I bet you can probably relate to I that as a busy relate. parent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And so sometimes it's fun that um, I'm kind of experiencing these stories secondhand through them. And, uh, you know, we read some stories together, like we read the Narnia series together. But I love that you've made that part of your curriculum. You know, it's not just like, oh, this is an optional kind of nice thing to do. Uh, This is extra credit. No, this is part of our core curriculum. Absolutely. And it's an important, it's probably the most important piece outside of doing family devotions and Bible time. You know, uh, it's, it's, it is what they remember, and it's the most meaningful to them. And like I said, I'm learning along with the kids, so it's, it's great for everybody. Well, and that is the power of stories. You know, so many of the stories that Jesus told or that other people told in the Bible, when we tell those stories, it's like we put ourselves in there. Absolutely. So then we have to think through, okay, how am I going to make decisions? Am I, I going to be like this guy or like that guy in the story? And even just the book of Proverbs, it's like a bunch of short stories. Yes. You know, and so there's the wise man or the foolish man or, or the foolish young man and um, so many different characters that you can relate to, even just in these little vignettes. So Yes, absolutely. I love that. Well, keep up the great work. Oh, and, thank you. And uh, I hope, uh, hope to read stories one day from your daughter. I hope that, so, too. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Just a second generation storyteller. Yes, then. yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I like what Christina said about the books they use being part of their curriculum. Like this is what they're actually teaching their kids. It's not just, oh, we're going to do this in our leisure time, but this is your assignment. (laughs) Remember book reports. Uh, But more than that, it's how can you grow as a person and what character can you develop that you've learned in the story? And I I love that because, um, as I said in the interview, that so much of how we're instructed to grow in our character is through stories and sometimes the short stories of Proverbs and other uh, books in the Bible. So yeah, with both of these parents, Stephen, you know, there was this theme of wanting to impart values with their children through the books that they read together. Um, That's such a fun approach that they take. We heard a couple authors name check like Chuck Black, who uh, we we hope uh, to talk to in the future. And some some great books that he's got, fantasy, sci-fi, spiritual warfare. And so as as you said earlier, Stephen, it's just great to pick up a book written by a Christian author who you know already shares your worldview and values. And you don't have to wonder so much about um, how is this going to connect to my faith like it already does on some level, whether it's overt or or covert, but it's it's there. Uh, and you're not having to kind of pick out all the other things that get tossed into books from the secular world. And uh, yeah, this was, uh, it it was just really fun to hear both of these parents talk about the books they had found from this conference through the different booksellers there and what it meant to them and how it became 
part of their like their language and their culture within their families. Lorehaven exists to help uh, not only homeschool families, uh, but Christian fans, cultural conservatives, church influencers of any sort, discover the best fantastical stories and explore them for God's glory. You can subscribe free at lorehaven.com and get updates from our website. We are publishing weekly content, not only the podcast every Tuesday, but reviews every Friday and articles and news uh, as they arrive. Uh, two of those articles last week, we actually had an excerpt uh, from Mike Duran, our last guest on the podcast, about Christians and conspiracy theories. He's exploring the idea uh, that whatever you think about conspiracy theories, the atheist or the non-believer in God would resort to conspiracy theories as uh, a search for some kind of plan because he or she has rejected the almighty God who is actually not so secretly in charge of the universe. Yes, that conspiracy theory is true. God was behind it all, all along, and now uh, he has revealed himself uh, and the plot's been blown wide open. Another article from uh, Shannon Stewart, I was talking about, uh, speaking of pop culture parenting again, uh, discernment. Uh, she's really excited about this uh, new Legend of Zelda video game. Uh, so we got that new section of the website on screen uh, for reviews of TV and games and movies and such, collecting all of those. And she's got a new one about how the various versions of Link from those video games across the decades uh, help to present a healthy image of heroism uh, for your kids at many ages. By the way, if you subscribe at Lorehaven, you can join the Lorehaven Guild. That's our exclusive Discord community where we host monthly book quests with over 250 heroes now through Christian-made fantastical novels. Uh, we have at least three volunteers, including myself, and I think I'm up next as we wrap up uh, this, uh, this story. Jack Zulu and the Waylander's Key. Uh, I have drafted myself uh, into doing a book quest through Frank Peretti's last novel. So it's a, it's a grown-up story, not adult fiction. I hate it when they say that, but it's a story for grown-ups. Uh, Illusion uh, was his novel that I read ridiculously too long after it released. Uh, but our staff writer, L.G. McCary, uh, got me interested in that, and I picked it up. And of course, you know, a few days later, I've polished a you know, 550-page novel. Really good one, really deep stuff in there. Surprising for Frank Peretti. There's no angels and demons in there, at least none that you can see. But there are some other unseen realities and maybe some uh, high-minded science fiction, head-bendy Twilight Zone, Doctor Who-type concepts that kind of came out of nowhere, along with some surprisingly wholesome uh, stage magician performances. Illusion by Frank Purdy is our next uh, book quest uh, at the Lorehaven Guild. So sign up free and uh, get started. We'll start that in June. Over at the comm station, we noticed a tweet by F. Ted Ashley, who shared our episode 152, which was how can Christian fantasy fans heal from church trauma? And Ted had this to say, quote, this is really long, but it is such an important discussion. I especially identified with L.G. McCary's story, end quote. Well, Ted, I'm so glad that that episode resonated with you and that uh, Laura's story really connected with you in particular. And thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, I, I hope that that episode uh, helps a lot of people and puts a lot of things in perspective. You know, that was the beginning of our series of talking about fantastical foes. And so we've looked at some of the various uh, forces at work today that are pulling people out of the church or away from Christ or into other religions, frankly. And so I, I think one of the springboards for that is church trauma. <laughs> this is specifically the pain and uh, bad experiences people go through in the church from other Christians or even from church leaders 
And that is a very confusing and bewildering thing. And we have our, we have sympathy for people that go through that. Uh, but at the same time, we have to, um, you know, not just stop there, but say, Hey, why do we need the church? You know, not just the universal church, but the local church. Why do we need a body of believers to, to belong to and to be accountable to, to be under the, uh, spiritual guidance, um, you know, this is uh, this is something we've talked about in depth in those episodes, starting with 152. So we encourage you to go back and listen to that if you have not already. You, our listener, can send us your comments about homeschooling, uh, Harry Potter, or uh, these other books that we've mentioned today. Uh, send us a note to podcast at lorehaven.com, or you can tag us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Lorehaven. I think Harry Potter must have sponsored this episode because uh, my <laughs> wife and I are also going to make a stop for a few days at the Universal Studios theme park, not the other guys, uh, before we rejoin the Realmakers folks uh, in Orlando. Next on Fantastical Truth, many fantastical tales look okay, but may endorse ungodly ideas. That's why more conservative groups are offering newer fiction to teach your kids moral values. How can Christian parents find the good stuff that will disciple your children's heads and hearts? In this session, recorded live at the March 2023 Teach Them Diligently Conference in Central Texas, I'm exploring discernment in light of the gospel, offering practical resources for parents to share the best books and other stories within the body of Christ. Meanwhile, I can't help but think of that phrase of that conference we keep quoting from, Teach Them Diligently. That leads me straight to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. That applies to anyone, whether or not you are a homeschooler, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. We are teaching children diligently no matter what we do, whether we're in church, whether we're at school, wherever that is, or even if we're reading awesome Christian-made fantastical books. That's what we hope to find more of and help you find more of as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth.